0: Welcome. I'm Alexander, and I'm Simon. We are still knee deep in tech, and very, very close to knee deep in a pool. <laughs> it's are, warm. It's warm. I know, right? We are sitting outside of the Hyatt with Katharina Wilhelmsson. Was that kind of close
1: to Katharina Wilhelmsson. There yeah. we go. Yeah.
0: So you are a data platform MVP.
1: I am. Yep.
0: And a community reporter, and yeah. a metric ton of other things. So I'm she's all over the place. Shh. Is that a title? It, that, that it should be a title so you were aspiring to be a Norwegian I wouldn't say that well that escalated quickly
1: <laughs> anyhow
0: Katrine could you tell our listeners who you are and what you do
1: yes so I'm Katrine Wilhelmsen or Katherine Wilhelmsen as I say over here in the United States um, I work as a senior business intelligence consultant in, in Meta I'm a data platform MVP the only one in Norway actually so that's kind of cool Um, And I do a lot of stuff in the community.
0: You have been um, referring to yourself as a serial volunteer. Chronic volunteer. Chronic volunteer.
1: volunteer. Serial works as well, but chronic volunteer, yes.
0: Uh, What does Uh, that mean?
1: I think it means that I can't just sit back and not help. If there's anything I can do to help others, I will. And then, you know, that kind of led me into volunteering. And so I volunteer everywhere. Sometimes I I volunteer even when I'm not needed, so I just butt my head in things, but
0: So how does this manifest, your your volunteering? What do you do?
1: So it depends on what kind of event it is. I've organized the SQL Saturdays in Oslo for a few years, been the main organizer there. Um, Last couple of years, I've been letting the rest of the team take over, so I've just been room monitoring, helping out with lunch, all the practical things of running an event. Uh, Then at Microsoft Ignite, which is a huge conference, they have staff, and the purple shirts are amazing, so I don't need to do that side of things. Um, But over here, I've been volunteering as a community reporter, which has been fun. Uh, So that means mainly helping out with the day one live stream, doing interviews, um, talking to people, and being more of a community ambassador, really. Um, they've had a few community social hours in the community central area that I've been helping out with, and uh, just hanging around, hanging around the diversity and tech area, cool. talking to people. Yep.
0: The uh, the community reporter thing. Who have you been talking to? What what kind of interviews have you done?
1: So it, it's a little different this year. I did the whole community reporter thing last year. That was the first time they did the community reporters at Microsoft Ignite. Uh, Back then, I talked to a bunch of people, um, Mm -hmm. lots of people from Microsoft and the product teams. This year, I wasn't really supposed to be a community reporter, uh, but there were some issues with uh, one person who he wasn't able to make it to Microsoft Ignite, unfortunately. Uh, So I took over most of his on-site activities with the day one live stream, uh, where I talked to um, Aaron uh, Ulag, who's on the Power BI um, engineering team. Uh, So I talked to him about Power BI and the Power Platform, and that interview should be on the Microsoft website. Outside of that, I haven't really done much this year because um, Reza, who couldn't make it here, Mm -hmm. he did his interviews remotely instead, which was great. He could still be a community reporter, but he could be uh, off-site. Okay. Yeah. That's great. So I did record one interview, which is a follow-up interview from last year. I talked to uh, Mike Flasco again. He's on the Azure Data Factory team. So I did an interview with him last year when they announced the new V2 of Data Factory uh, and then follow up this year with uh, what's new, what's what's coming.
0: Because you are more than knee deep in the Azure Data Factory these days.
1: Well, I'm very short, so it's like shoulder deep probably, which is knee deep for most other people, but yes, uh, all about the Data Factory these days. Yep. Yeah. Data integration, it's very sexy.
2: So this is, this is actually the first time that someone said that your part of technology is sexy.
1: It's usually my part.
0: I'm gonna, I was about to say that I'm going to have that printed and framed, which is kind of hard because it's audio. But yeah, I know. This, this is why I like Catherine so much. Yeah.
2: So for me, who knows nothing about data, really, what's Azure Data Factory?
1: So Azure Data Factory is uh, for data movement and orchestration. Uh, so you have lots of data in lots of different sources, on-premises or in the Cloud, and you need to move that from one source to another, to a destination. Azure Data Factory helps with that. So it's uh, you can think of it as a factory, something goes in, you move it, and then something else comes yep. out on the other side. Uh, there are some transformation capabilities there as well, if you need to do something um, more on the traditional ETL, extract, transform, and load or ELT, extract, load, and transform. Two very different things there when you switch the words around. Um, so you can do that in Azure Data Factory as well, but it's it's mainly just about moving and orchestrating data in the cloud.
0: Which incidentally is much easier to say than actually do. Yes. Because it's it's pretty easy when you were talking 200 rows, but you're when you're talking terabytes of data that needs to go from point A to point B via point C, where lots of weird stuff's gonna happen to it, you need some serious horsepower and yep. there, that's where the the ADF comes in and you had, did you have two or three sessions on?
1: I had two sessions. You had
0: two sessions. Yes.
1: Right. So I had one breakout session uh, alongside Jason Horner doing Azure Data Factory design patterns. Right. Um, A little bit more on the details of how to move data uh, in Azure Data Factory. And then I had a 20-minute theater session on my own, which is more an overview comparing um, the older SQL Server Integration Services, SSIS with Azure Data Factory, they're very similar, but also very different. Um, and comparing those two to the new kid in town, Azure Databricks.
0: Databricks, could you just talk a minute or two about Databricks? What yeah, it so is? Yeah. So Azure and how Databricks
1: is, um, for me, coming from the integration side, the data side. Azure Databricks is a little weird uh, because it's so different from what I'm used to uh, and the technologies that I've used. Azure Databricks it's uh, an Apache Spark-based analytics uh, collaboration tool. So instead of just thinking about moving data from A to B, uh, you have multiple users like data engineers, data scientists, and business analysts working together in what's called a notebook. So in this notebook, you can kind of think of them as, um, think of it as a Word document where you have a little set of something you do, so you pull in some data, you do something, and then you can immediately visualize it. And then, you know, below that you start doing the next step and you visualize something else. So you can have data engineers taking care of the data part, you can have data scientists do their machine learning algorithm that I know nothing about, Uh, do all the fancy magic, and then business analysts can go in and look at the graphs. It's integrated with uh, Power BI as well, so you get those graphs in your notebooks. So everyone can kind of work together, it's more like a multi-editing experience for, for data and analytics. So Databricks is more geared towards um, machine learning, artificial intelligence, data science, more than just the data integration part. Um, But there's still lots of these data engineering capabilities.
0: And considering with the uh, SQL Server 2019 hyperscale thing, which basically is SQL Server and Spark bolted together, where do you see Databricks comes into play? Is that kind of like a a glue or a separate entity? Or what do you see?
1: Azure Databricks is more a separate offering uh, in the cloud, and then you bring, you bring the Spark capabilities into the SQL Server engine in 2019. Right. So, they're they're similar, uh, but still two slightly different offerings on that. So, Databricks is where you get all the auto-scaling and the clusters and all of that managed <laughs> for you, and then with uh, 2019, it's more just having those Spark capabilities and um, HDFS storage in SQL Server. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see how they're bringing something that we've only had in the cloud and actually bringing it down into the core engine. Usually it's been the other way around, like they only do it in the cloud. So that's also very exciting news coming from Microsoft Ignite.
0: Indeed. So what about community? Let's let's go back to community because we've had a few discussions with, with other um, speakers and, and, and trainers. And the overarching theme is community. Yep. And. As Michael Bender said, you, the, the more you put in, the more you get out of it. Yes. So how did it start for you? And what, what were you like before you got involved in the community?
1: Oh, boy. I was a much different person before I got involved in the community. And most people I meet now, they don't believe me when I say this. <laughs> but I used to be shy, introverted, uh, socially awkward, and could barely talk to people. Uh, And now I'm running around Microsoft Ignite doing the community reporting and talking to everyone, which is a complete 360 for me. And all of that changed because I kind of pushed myself out of my comfort zone and started volunteering. So I started small with the user group back home in Oslo, Norway. Um, I did the SQL Saturday, and then it kind of grew from there. I continued volunteering at other events, traveling around the world. I started speaking, which was probably the biggest uh, difference because then I started building that network of... um, all the other speakers traveling the world. Um, then I started, you know, volunteering at conferences at like Past Summit, the huge conference we have every year. Um, and then one thing led to another, and now I'm at Microsoft Ignite. So it's um, it's been life changing for me to get involved. Um, that's also kind of why I'm a chronic volunteer because it's had so many positive effects on me as a person to volunteer. Um, and then it's. Yeah, I I do as much as I can, even here. You know, if there's anything in the community central, I'm there. Um, I'm there, and I I have fun doing it. Like
0: chocolate-covered bacon? Like (laughs)
1: chocolate-covered bacon, like uh, Bloody Mary's today, donuts. I can kind of sense a theme here. If there's anything around food, I'll be there for sure. Uh, Food and community is a good pairing there. Uh, But, no, I get so much in return for that. Uh, It's been life-changing. It's built my network. I've made... Uh, great friends in the community I've been able to travel and see the world Um, here in Orlando right now where it's nice and sunny and warm and I can go swimming after speaking which is kind of uh, mind-blowing
0: it is it is indeed so
2: what would your suggestion be for anyone who want to get involved in the community where to start
1: I would say find a local user group, first of all. That's kind of your main entry into the community. Find a local user group in whatever technology that you're interested in um, and go talk to the organizers and ask them, how can I help? Um, Most organizers need volunteers for events, maybe someone who can take care of, even something simple as just bringing in food for everyone. It's, It's a task that needs to be done. Or helping out with the social media marketing, whatever is kind of tailored to your skills. Start with the user group and kind of build from there. There are tons of one-day free conferences uh, in all of the Microsoft communities, basically. Um, And then if there is anything that you can do at larger conferences like Pass Summit or Microsoft Ignite or other you know, around the world, just just talk to people and see if there is any way you can help out.
0: Yeah, because helping out is, again, key. We're both MCTs, and this year I was picked up to work the Hanson Labs. So I've been spending many, many hours just answering questions and walking in circles. My feet hurt, (laughs) but I would not have missed it for the world. So going to Ignite, what were your expectations?
1: My expectations were a lot of walking, a lot of people, (laughs) uh, too much information to process, and uh, I think I can check off all of those things.
0: Right. Really, yeah. So, my follow-up question would have been, so what was your main takeaway from this, apart from walking and talking?
1: (laughs) Uh, Main takeaway, so I've been trying to focus on the data side of things. So, SQL Server 2019 preview has been a huge announcement. I've seen a little bit more on the capabilities in Power BI. Um, Azure Data Factory obviously had some announcements here as well. So, I'm more focused on that side of things, um, but I think the main takeaway is AI everything. That's kind of Microsoft's uh, buzzword uh, for twenty eighteen. AI infused in everything, and you can see that at Microsoft Ignite. It's it's covering everything, even from simple things like um, Flash Fill in Excel is AI. You know, you don't even think about it, but you're using it already. Um, and how it's it's real now. It's not just a buzzword. It's not just hype. Uh, you are actually using it. And in many, in many cases, you might not even be aware of it. Nope. It's not just this, you know, artificial intelligence person, robot thingy walking around, uh, stealing jobs. It's it's more just enhancing what you do every day and making life easier.
0: So it is not sneaking up on you and stealing your job without you noticing. No. Cool. Because I think you, Simon, you said something about it is actually raining.
1: It is raining now. How yes. did that...
0: We're... Uh yeah on that rain shell
1: <laughs> i think it's
0: uh, time to end the show and thank you very much for listening thank you very much for coming on
1: thank you for having me and let's go hide yeah. let's
0: go hide thank you for listening <laughs> bye bye
2: so i'm here with sarah sarah lean right yes yes uh, at the evolve Conf in birmingham uk so, who are you and what have you done here today?
3: <laughs> um, so, as Simon says, I'm, I'm Sarah Lean. I'm a Cloud Solution Architect with Microsoft. I've been with Microsoft now for eight months, yep. which has flown by. Yep. Um, so, in my day-to-day role, I kind of help customers um, who are looking to move from on-premise environments into the Cloud and help them on that journey and, and kind of show them the way that they need to do. So, today's session I was talking about was governance in the Cloud which is covering off things like how you change your change request processes to align with the cloud and how that changes. Thinking about naming conventions, does your conventional on-premise data, like naming convention, fit in with the cloud? Probably not, and how do you fit in with that? Um, and how, how you kind of discuss it as a business. Things change when you move to the cloud, as you yep. know, Simon. So it's just trying to get people into that mindset about thinking, how do they have to go through all their processes and change it and what should be concentrating on?
2: Yeah. Is that something that you see organizations missing out on when they are moving to the cloud?
3: Yeah, a lot of organizations think governance only means security. Yep. And that's only a small piece of what, what governance actually is. So it's it's just about getting people to think about it. Um, lots of people skip the governance piece because they think they've got on-premise governance so they can just hit the go button on Azure and um, doesn't actually work that way because six months 18 months down the line you'll find you've spent all of your budget because you've done no cost management or you've got the wrong naming convention or you're doing everything manually and you can't automate things properly because you haven't thought about all the kind of bits that, that go in it. So yeah, it's a key piece. It's not fun. And as techies, none of us like to do <laughs> all the processes and the documentation, but it's kind of key to start off that process yep. right at the start. As I was saying in my session, if you get the foundations right, your cloud journey is going to be successful. Yep. If you don't get those foundations right at the start, you're going to have some issues, unfortunately. So, yeah.
2: So, and that's the part of your, um, your job at Microsoft. What other things are included in that?
3: I kind of do everything, to be yes. honest. Um, so one day I could be talking to the C-level guys, trying to convince them that is the right way to go forward with our organization, or the next day I could be delivering a, a workshop to techies and um, talking about like how to get to Azure, like, right, very at the basics, starting off, um, so training. So yeah, my job's quite varied, and yep. um, doing things like this, conferences, blogging, um, educating people and spreading the kind of knowledge is also something that... Um, is my job so yeah.
2: yeah and you also run the Glasgow Asher User Group
3: yes I do um, that started about 18 months ago um, there wasn't a group um, the nearest one was in London but I'm yeah. obviously Scottish based so that's not ideal so I started that and it's just kind of grown from there um, yeah so uh, it's been a, a wild well ride to start that yeah, one yeah
2: and it's I've attended two times and it's been a full house each time uh,
3: it's it's, it's good to see that people are actually looking to learn about it yep. um, and are willing to come along and give up their time because it's at evenings and it's, you know, people are giving up their time and people like yourself are, are travelling and speaking as well. Yep. So it's great to see that the community is engaging both ways, both listening and, and sharing. So, yep. yeah, it's been great fun.
2: Yeah, great. Uh, so, speaking about governance in the cloud, is there what would you say would be the first thing to start with? organization?
3: I'd say start with some of the basics so start with a naming convention that suits the cloud and um, you have to think about things like can I have dashes in names, can I not have dashes in names, what are the length of my names and um, think about where you want to store your data we have what 52 announced regions for Azure yep. and it'd be great to use all of them but trying to manage all of that isn't possible so pick some regions pick them for compliance uh, reasons, or pick them for cost reasons, but pick a few and kind of lock that down and keep your guys in those certain regions. Um, Think about tagging. Um, Tags in Azure are great for adding metadata. Um, If you don't have the limitation in your naming convention, add the tags to kind of add that additional metadata about who owns the VM, why it was spun up, you know, does it expire, all that kind of good stuff. and I think if you get things like that down, Pat, if you get those building blocks, um, you're off to a great start. There's other things like cost management. Um, we're obviously changing from a CapEx to an OPEX model. So how do you report on that and how do you share that business value? Because um, cloud can give you lots of advantages. One of them is sometimes cost savings. So how do you show your business that you're actually doing that cost management report? It's, yep. it's key. Um so there are some of the, the ones to start off with um, that I like to kind of... And I think that's kind of a good starting block. Yeah. Um, you don't always know the questions you need to ask when you start on a cloud journey. So if you start there, you can start growing from there and building on that. So yeah,
2: Great advice. Uh, I want to go back to something that you spoke about in Glasgow the last time I visited you okay. at the Tech UG, Uh And you said, or well, it was really... Yeah. Uh, the people who spoke at the Glasgow Azure User Group first mm-hmm. around the migration of Server 2008 and SQL 2008. Yes. Could you just, from a Microsoft point of view, tell us a little bit about that mm-hmm. in terms of supportability for older operating systems and databases?
3: Yeah. So, as I'm sure some of your listeners will be aware, um, Server 2008 and SQL 2008 are coming end of support. Um, what end of support means is you're not going to get new patches, um, so you could be vulnerable to attacks. Microsoft have announced that if you lift and shift those operating systems, those databases into Azure or Azure Stack, yep. you're going to get free patches for the next three years. So it's great for organizations that have been caught out by the end of support, um, dates being announced, and haven't got time between then and the end of dates so they can lift and shift into Azure and they've got three years to think about what they're going to do with those operating systems, with those workloads. Um, so it's a great it's a great kind of package yep. and one we're pushing um, to get a lot of people moving to the cloud.
2: Yeah, and it's a great opportunity. We, we spoke a bit about it in a previous episode and it's, like you say, it's a great way to try and you really get it at a heavily discount because yep. otherwise you would have been forced to pay for patches. Yeah and you could also use the hybrid benefits right yes. for those servers.
3: so you can save quite a bit actually yep. with hybrid benefits as well yeah
2: great so let's change subject to something that's really important now and it's always been important but mm-hmm. to me it feels like now it's getting a bit more fo- foretold with more women speaking more women yep. being mvps more women having like senior uh, roles both in management but also from more technical roles as mm-hmm. yourselves yeah um, so looking at it from a diversity point of view what's your best advice to employers that would like to employ more women in the organizations
3: it's a hard one you get lots of um, my background is in infrastructure yep. um, and there's not many women in that at all and um, usually I'm the only person in the IT department that's a woman um, you get lots of developers for some reason that are female um, and that's great to see and you need to support that and continue growing that but i'd love to see more people in the infrastructure side Um i've recently become a stem ambassador so that's like a science yep. technology engineering mass ambassador so i'm hoping that me going out into schools and speaking to people will show them that actually women can be in it and yep. they can be in infrastructure it's it's very cool I love yep. the infrastructure piece <laughs> I love doing all of that so hopefully I can get my enthusiasm across to the next generation yep. and, and inspire them I don't know how employers get more people but I think it's people like myself getting up there and standing up and, and shouting how great we are and what we can do and you know there should be no limitations for anybody yeah so.
2: and do you have any because you are speaking quite a lot at conferences years ago
3: yeah
2: <laughs> <So> <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, do you have any suggestions or tips for how you get started with public speaking mm. um, in in general?
3: Start off with your local kind of user groups. Yep. Um they're great. They're usually massively supportive um, to hear new speakers. Um, a lot of groups allow lightning talks, which is you know a ten minute talk, and that's a great way to start. Um, yeah, and again. I've found in the community that user groups are a great place because they're super supportive about what you're doing and, and, and sharing information. So, start off with your local user group. Go and speak to the leader. They might, you might find that the leader is an experienced speaker themselves and are more than happy to mentor you. So, take advantage of what's local and then just grow from there. Um, I've started off with local events in my hometown in Glasgow, and today here I am in Birmingham. So, you know. It's about expanding and, and hopefully just kind of building on that. It is scary. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it is absolutely scary. But I think the more you do it and the more you get out there, the, the better it is for everybody. And yep. we all have something that we can share. Yep. You know, we all know yeah. something that someone else doesn't know. So let's share it and yeah. Yeah, and, get and that's out
2: there. that's uh, something that that I believe many that prevents many from speaking that they feel that they need to have something brand new or mm. very. Very deep or technical, but I find that many that are new in IT going are going to conferences and can't find anything that's level one hundred but yep. still techie. Um, so that's something I would like to suggest that talk to um, talk about something basic, something you know very well, because it will help people to get a good start in IT. Yeah, it's
3: good. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's just it's just about getting out there yep. and sharing your knowledge and yeah, helping. Yep.
2: So what are your plans for the rest of the autumn?
3: So I'm speaking at SQL GLA on Friday. Um, It's another great event in Scotland. I'm also doing my governance in the cloud presentation. Um, And then I think I've got a hiatus for September, and I'm speaking again in um, October um, down in London um, about Azure Migrate, uh, which is a great tool to help you um, evaluate your on-premise data center into the cloud. Apart from that, I think I'm going to focus on my user group a little yep. bit. We've we've got a super meetup yep. coming in in that. October, so that's combining the Azure community, the SQL community, and the PowerShell community together. We're hoping to get lots of new speakers yep. um, to attend and just kind of get the community in Glasgow together, um, rather than having us all having different meetups. Um, and then in December, I believe yourself and your colleague are yep. coming across to speak. So. I want to focus on building those communities and, and spreading the word about what we're doing and, and just helping people. That, that's kind of what I'm focused on for the rest of the year. Yep. Great. Best yeah. of luck with that. And thank, thank you, you for your time. No, thank you. Thanks.